Most of us may be familiar with things that go bump in the night, like the Wendigo, Skinwalkers, Thunderbird, or the Fae Little People. But tonight we're honored to have a special storyteller with us, Lauren, Wren, as I call him, with a unique insight on these things and more, being Native American himself. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded we become, fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Hello, my name's Ren. Uh, I've been a friend of Eric's for a while, and I've been a a follower of paranormal events for most of my life. Ren, if you would, just kind of tell us a little bit about your Native American history, maybe your tribe. My tribe is called the Menominee. It's from northern Wisconsin, 40 miles northwest of Green Bay. Uh, They were called the Menominee because they grew wild rice, being called Menomin. They very rarely starved during the winter, and... uh, They were very friendly towards their sister tribes in Wisconsin, not so much towards anybody else. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, one of the things I thought would be really cool is on the podcast, and Bill and I had talked about this early on in the stages, there's a lot of legend and lore, uh, but obviously most of us, I'd I'd like to to say, are not that familiar with the Native American versions of that. Uh, and as we were talking before we went live, Ren, there's a lot of things that are kind of stereotypical Hollywood label that don't necessarily coincide with the Native American. So uh, we mentioned like the Wendigo, for example. Yes, uh, pop culture in Hollywood has really done a number on what that's really supposed to be with with the conception that it's a physical being. Uh, the Native Americans don't see the Wendigo is a physical being, but a spiritual one. It's supposed to be, from what was described to me, it was the spirit of starvation. And the only time it actually manifests physically is when it feeds. It only feeds on cannibals. So I think uh, before we recorded, we were talking about different movies and stuff. I know you have the the supernatural depiction of Wendigo is, is almost an infection, like a spiritual infection. Uh, you said it was probably closer in, in concept to the movie Ravenous, uh, so, yeah. along those lines. Well, yeah, uh, in Ravenous, there was something to it when they, they ate, their wounds healed, they got stronger, uh, but you never actually heard anything about a Wendigo in the movie. Yeah. But uh, it when the Wendigo either infects you, possesses you, whatever you want to call it, it makes you want to eat people. It makes you do really strange things like you probably... Uh, self-mutilation when when they actually find the people who have supposedly been very far gone into the wendigo possession they're completely they don't look quite human anymore because they've self-mutilated and uh they're also eating as many people as they can catch and kill and usually the natives would just outright kill them and then burn everything around them and then they'd leave the land because the land is is uh, like a beacon there now. It's, it's almost no like good. the land's cursed. 
somewhat, yeah, uh, it's it's not that you'll go there and get cursed. It's that the Wendigo will be drawn there the next time it comes around. Very interesting. Yeah, that definitely strays away from the pop culture. Yeah, we we see the Wendigo depicted a lot of times, like you were saying, in Supernatural and some of the movies as like deer antlers and kind of a distorted, uh, long-nosed creature, kind of a deer type. Uh, But with the Native Americans, it's more of like a spiritual nature, like you were saying. Yes, Well, I mean, even Algaron Blackwood, uh, a writer... Going all the way from HP's time, HP yeah, Lovecraft. Very, I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Lovecraft fan over here. So <laughs> he definitely wrote the story called the Wendigo, and it wasn't about a Wendigo per se. It was about one of his friends, and one of the people in there was infected by the Wendigo and was doing a bunch of crazy supernatural things. But they never actually seen a Wendigo in the story. They seen what a Wendigo did to people. And they never found that guy infected again when he ran off into the woods. Now, in, in your lifetime around the tribal elders and stuff, is this something that's still talked about? Is it considered uh, fading or still ever-present? Well, uh, pop culture keeps the Wendigo very fresh here in the United States. And I'm assuming also in Canada, uh, the Wendigo is a stronger influence on the first nations people in Canada than it is so much in the United States, at least with my tribe. Like I said, my tribe didn't necessarily starve during the winter because they always had wild rice to fall back on. Right. Not all tribes had that. I guess it's the Iroquois nations, which is a bunch of tribes, several tribes all tied together in the Northwest of the United States. There's a strong Wendigo influence there. And there's also a strong influence with the, Canadian tribes like, say, the Ojibwe or the, the uh, I forgot what tribe they were called, but it, they're the Ojibwe. Okay. Have you heard, like, any, in your lifetime, any tales that would have had a Wendigo that has occurred, like, in your lifetime? Or has it all been kind of past history? And again, with your tribe, it's, it's a little different. You're a little bit further removed. But has there been anything recent, I guess? No, it's mostly uh, anything recent is usually either pop culture or it's the search for Bigfoot, which they're trying to tie a Wendigo to a Bigfoot, like a white Bigfoot is what they're describing as a Wendigo these days. We were talking a little bit about this. Marvel Comics influence there. The Wendigo, yeah, the the one with Wolverine that come from the Canadian. Or the Yeti is supposed to be white too, but that's, you know. Now, where do you think that white concept comes from is it because it's association with winter the cold and that's when most people starve or you think that's just far-fetched just a stretch well i think uh like they say that the yeti's white he's white because if it's a living creature if it in fact exists it changed to its environment which is all snow so it wants to be better camouflaged like all animals do True. Uh, the arctic fox for example changes from a dark brown and and blonde colors to a complete white in the wintertime. And it does it every year. It actually changes its coat. Which, why wouldn't a, uh, a Bigfoot change its coat if it always lived in a white environment? You Very know? good point. Which, like I said, I, it, you know, I, I'm speaking from what I've heard. I've never encountered a Wendigo in my life. I'm told that once you do, it completely changes your life. If you're talking the spiritual Wendigo, these people... They're vastly diminished. Even if all you did was encounter one, it, it's, it hurts your mental capacity. It hurts your health. 
everything about you is diminished after you've encountered one. And that's one thing I wanted to kind of address with everyone. A lot with most Native Americans, they kind of steer clear, and, and not even necessarily Native Americans, but when you're talking about Wendigos, skinwalkers in particular, you know, it's not something to take lightly. Like anything, and like we've warned on our podcast before, you don't understand what, what it is, you know, kind of steer clear of it. Have that respect, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah. But um, I, I, was, I felt very lucky to have you come and, and be a guest speaker and be open and be able to speak about it. But where do you think a lot of that comes from? Is that just the, the old tradition? Well, um, the, the natives of the tribe that actually follow old times, they, or they follow uh, non-Christian beliefs is really what it's considered. They tell you to avoid these things because the common person, even of a tribe, doesn't always know how to defend themselves from such things. Whereas usually the elders or the medicine people do know how to defend themselves from such things. And for whatever reason, they don't, like a, a brave wouldn't know how to do it, but a, a medicine person would. And it's all because it, in ancient times, they needed their braves and they needed medicine people. They didn't need a person who could do everything, but he couldn't do everything well. So you needed fighters who all, all they did was fight. You needed hunters who all they did was hunt. You needed medicine people who all they did was protect from the spirit world and healed their tribe. Truly specialist in yes, a field. Yes, because that's what you needed. Nowadays, it's not so much like that because we have science is taking over quite a bit of the old beliefs. And you have competent doctors and, and hospitals and medicine, a system of medical science that proved to be far more effective for our general health, but not so effective towards our spiritual health. And that's where, say, Christianity has come in to try and take over that role. Well, that's a good point. I mean, what used to be considered magic, you know, two, three hundred years ago was early forms of science that we take for granted, you know, today. Uh, things are constantly evolving and changing. Yeah, like alchemy became chemistry. Right. Uh, definitely not a magic to it until they they added magical formulae and and symbolism to it and even uh what do they call that semantic you know where you're moving around you have yeah. to make a a gesture with your hands as well and they did that because it was a hidden science and they didn't want everybody to know it you know so they Protect added that these, knowledge they added these extra <laughs> things that didn't actually do anything but they said that it did something and if you didn't know how to do it, you couldn't enact it. So very few people went ahead and tried it. It kept it more protected over the ages. Interesting. I, I, if there's anything else on the Wendigo that you wanted to bring up? Well, I I, I think if we were going to ask any questions, maybe from the Wendigo to Skinwalker, I know that a lot of people think those are semi-related. Uh, I think a little bit of research will tell you they're not. But uh, do you have anything... The, the skinwalker is generally a Western thing from the Western tribes, specifically the Hopi and the Navajo. Supposedly, their medicine people learned from a spirit called the Nagloshi. That's supposed to be the skinwalker. It taught these medicine people the magic behind changing their shape with an animal skin. The things they had to do, the things the medicine people had to do, one of the examples is kill one of their own family members yeah so i heard that tended to be a rather negative thing not good magic yeah dark magic 
yeah, dark magic to be very sure. Because if you were willing to go ahead and kill one of your own family members just so you could progress in your power, you definitely stopped being human at the point you could change your skin. So once they were a skinwalker, they didn't mind eating people. Now they weren't necessarily a Wendigo because of it, but it was just an inhibition that they lost after they lost their humanity. And that's why they can do a number of other things rather than just change their skin. They can make people sick, uh, like with magic, with black magic, or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. Uh, again, it's not something I myself have ever encountered. But there, there is instances I've heard of where people have changed their shape due to one thing or another, like a, a curse, for example. A curse could get you to change your skin. And it wasn't a good thing for the person cursed. Some of those skinwalker stories, I, I think when, when you're talking about Wendigo, you, you know, you said once you had those encounters, those people were changed forever. Yes. And some of the skinwalker lore that, that I've read is, is kind of very similar. Like if you've had a skinwalker encounter that tends to, to follow you. It plagues and, you and, and, and anyone you're around kind of. Yeah. Like it yeah, kind of yeah. marks you. From my understanding, when their braves went out to fight the skinwalkers, like from the Ute tribe of Utah, if they didn't kill the skinwalker, these guys were forever. There was a mark upon them, not a physical mark, but like like on their consciousness that they let this thing get away. What kind of bad things did it enact after okay. it got away? Uh, who did it make sick of the tribe? Well, did it chase the animals away? Did it bring more spirits through the void? You know, all of those things that an evil shaman could and would do to an enemy tribe. That is why supposedly the Navajo released skinwalkers into Utah because the Utes took their land. And that's where you come up with Skinwalker Ranch. That's the exact legend behind it was Navajo let skinwalkers loose in that area. And then they bound them to that area. So they're constantly making trouble in that area, but not just skinwalkers. Skinwalkers went in there and enacted a whole bunch of magic one of the things they supposedly did was open vortexes or holes in reality to let other things through. And that's why you still get problems there. Now, I can't remember the name that you used, but the origin of the skinwalker you said that would come to like a medicine man or a shaman and they would have to kill their family member. What is your people's belief of that origin? Was that just an evil spirit? Was that a type of a god? Was that a... from my understanding, it was, like I said, it's a, a Southwest kind of thing. My my people, the Menominee okay. weren't really, you didn't get too many skinwalkers west of, or east of the Mississippi. Okay. That's all pretty much west and far west of the Mississippi. And the Nagloshi is what they called them. That was the spirit that came. Now, people who, who've gone full on into, into skinwalkers are also called Nagloshi. I could be mangling the word, but we that's, do that a lot on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, we definitely do that. <laughs> I don't mean to offend anybody if they're listening, but that's from my spelling of it and my seeing it. That's what they called it. Was that's you know but or a similar word to the it. The belief is it was just an evil spirit, maybe not uh, a demonic spirit or a spirit of a past human. Well, see when you when you place a label like demonic, you add a, also add the the baggage of Christianity. Gotcha. Whereas 
there's a whole bunch of evil things in Native American lore, and they never describe a hell behind it. it they were just other things, and they weren't nice to people. That That's their description of evil, was it came here, it killed these people, it made them people crazy, it spread sickness over here. They, all these things would be evil to the people who are who are undergoing this kind of extreme bad luck, bad bad sickness. They would call that evil. But to the Navajo, that was justice. So, so it was subjective to the people experiencing it. Yeah, because they actually turned them loose is what, you know, some of their medicine people agreed to undergo or learn the magic this Nagloshi was willing to teach them. And now in the Southwest, there are, there I believe for the Navajo, they actually have officers that are Native on their on their reservation who chase them around and try and do battle with them, but very rarely can they even catch them. And these are native people trying to do it. So, you know, all of their officers are quite aware and believe that the skinwalker exists. These are tribal officers of native American descent. Well, I've read supposedly firsthand accounts as recent as, you know, here in the last year or so. Yes. Um, some really interesting stories and, and skinwalker may be a bigger topic for, for later on, like a whole episode. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there and you, you talked about skinwalker ranch. I've been watching that series. on Yeah. TV. I've read a lot about that too. They've got, of course, all different beliefs are trying to be thrown in there, but everything from alien yeah. to <laughs> vortexes to different time, uh, like time traveling, all kinds of stuff. They're now trying to label, you know, I think as mankind and humans, we always try to funnel everything down. When I mentioned demons and you brought up, well, that's Christianity and, and hell. That's a great, great point to help us all understand. I think we have a tendency to funnel everything down and try to cookie cutter it. And it's not always so black and white. Yeah, I think we want to label things. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. If you went out and stepped on an anthill, would it bother you very much? It could. <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't think you meant like army ants or no, anything. army ants. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I just mean if you went out and stepped on an no. anthill and 10 or 12 ants died. Never know. Now, if ants had a consciousness, they would think that an evil god stamped way down on their... Yeah. But you, yourself, like, oh, you wouldn't even notice. Probably wouldn't even notice. And got in your car and drove away. But those ants... Those ants would have a completely that different life changing for them. That was an evil god. He stamped us flat. And, you know, you have to look at the Nagloshi, a being that is completely energy and has magic to teach, or in other words, wisdom or whatever you want to call it. And he comes, he's called to earth by these medicine people. He goes ahead and teaches them and he leaves or it leaves, I should say. And now these people are doing what the Nagloshi taught them to do. And the Nagloshi was more or less like, these hairless apes. Okay, here, give them a little bit of wisdom. <laughs> and uh, I'm off again. I'll come in and look at them in a thousand years and see what they're doing with it. But until then, it didn't care one whit either way. Why? Because it was so far beyond us as to be likened to human to ant relationship. Couldn't comprehend it. Like, this is, this is nothing to me. Whatever. I just did it and I was gone again. I'm not saying you can answer this. This is kind of a rhetorical question, but you had mentioned that the, the Navajo had turned the skinwalkers loose on the other tribe. That was the legend. The, if, you know, of the legend, I wonder 
would that be the same skinwalkers that they released all those years ago still alive or is it something that when they die they're reborn is there a certain quantity or, a, or? a teachable skill yeah you know where i'm you going with that it's i, I that wonder would, that would be a question for people who won't answer your questions okay yeah. like the the elders of the tribe of navajo they're and they're not going to talk to you they don't even talk to other tribes from outside and then let's say they're what would have been braves in ancient times, but now it's just a regular guy because they don't have those classes of people anymore. They won't even talk to them because they don't have the knowledge or will or wherewithal to protect themselves from such a creature. And if it draws to this person, it's going to harm them in some way and they have no way to stop it. My mind's going a million miles a minute. I'm, I'm thinking, I'll put some numbers on it, but maybe the original, there were 12 people who killed a family member, took on the Skinwalker, and they released. Is it 12 souls, if you will, or is it maybe those families? And so every one of their generations, you know, there's a lot of weird questions that go through my mind. It's a twisted, dark place. <laughs> Remember once I told you they undergone that transformation to turn from human to animal, they were no longer human. And they, they gave up something they gave in the process. The humanistic form yeah. to basically mm-hmm. take that. Strangely enough, I just learned one of their weaknesses. And yeah, I went out and, and acquired some of this stuff myself. All it was was you get some ash wood and you burn it to ash. And then you spread it on whatever weapon it is you want to, want to harm them. If it's a gun, you spread it on your bullets. Although this makes for a terrible thing to do to your firearm <laughs> or you spread it on a handheld weapon. But they, they said that fighting these things hand to hand was not, they're, not a good place to be They're way ahead of us in speed and strength and all that stuff. I mean, you, you better be a very good warrior if you thought you were going to chop them with a hatchet or go after them with a sword. Not likely because they were way faster and stronger now, again, we've talked about the Hollywood lore and legend and all this. What we're talking about right here, to me, sounds like a phenomenal movie. You wouldn't have to adapt it in any way or alter it or um, change it. But in, in our PC culture, I think you'd have to be careful of who, who you might offend. Who you might offend. That well, is true. That is true. The Navajo would definitely be offended. Yeah, if you yeah. Just- you they know, don't want that revealed I'm sh- or told. Or- I'm sure with all the video games with skinwalkers in them, and there's more than a few, I believe, that none of them are played on those reservations down there because for them, that is a very real being. Yeah. And, you know, like, and they don't even want you poking around. If you don't, if you weren't part of the tribe and didn't grow up with their traditions, they don't even care if you're from a different tribe. They're like, you got no business here. You got no business asking. Move along. Get get to getting or go to our casinos or you know <laughs> or buy some salmon, but don't do that. And and they're trying they are trying their best to protect these people too. It's not it's not about being snotty or right. haughty. It's not an ego thing. It's you ran into one of those, you'd have no idea the damage it could do to your life. And that was in the stuff that I had read, the, the things I, the way I understood it was you weren't even supposed to talk about these things for that reason. Like talking about it draws the attention and then and you maybe even give it more power and your average person isn't prepared to deal with something like that. Like you were saying. So I think it goes along with that. Like you're not even supposed to talk about them just because you don't want to draw that attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you had better have a good a good understanding about how that works. You also need a good understanding about how their shamanistic magic works. I call them shaman, but they were medicine men. And in ancient times, medicine man wasn't even a word until the white man came. It was something else. You know, they called them some other kind of name. I don't know it, but that's what it was. You know, as these people trained from when they were chosen as kids, you're going to be the medicine man and you five kids are going to be braves. And this guy's going to be the hunter. Oh, and these women are going to learn how to skin. These women are going to learn how to farm. And that was just how it was. Kind of the old they, apprenticeship program. They needed thing. these things to keep the tribe going. That was just the way it was. Now, that's not to say these five guys couldn't go out hunting, even though they were braves. But when another tribe attacked, they wanted these five guys to be controlling the rest of the tribe's defenses. Whereas when they went out hunting, they wanted that hunter they trained as a hunter tracking and looking out for his brothers so they didn't run afoul of bear or wolves or something that could hurt them because he knew the most about that. You know, I'm going to say something here that some people may not get, but I know the three of us here at this table, because I've mentioned we're, we're geeks, we're nerds. We've played Dungeons and Dragons. We have three DMs right here in this room. (laughs) It's kind of like that player who wants to play every class, you know, and it's like, no, you're the cleric. You're the fighter. You're going to be the tank. You're, you know, you're the, this is what you need to do because we need you to be the best you can, not just spread yourself so thin. So I, I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. It's for that reason I hated multi classing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's a fighter, cleric, thief. Yeah. What? <laughs> and then they never really liked how slow they went up in experience. Oh. And then, you know, the phrase jack of all trades, master of none. Of none. You're not really going to be in, you know, well, this is devolving into a D and D conversation really quick. <laughs> we digressed. <laughs> now you had mentioned <laughs> you had mentioned you recently had went uh, done a little research and you found the ash uh, tree and you you burned that. I, I know it's not of your tribe, but is there any other things like with the Wendigo or something more of your tribe that would be a deterrent, uh, a way to protect yourself maybe from these things? Um, now I wasn't quite clear on how how you do it but something with cedar is supposed to chase away the wendigo i don't know if it's like a cedar incense but these days i checked on ebay you can't get a a solid cedar incense it's either cedar and pine or it's cedar and something else whereas multi-class stuff again (laughs) i did just get some cedar i work at a cedar plant so i went to their kilns i scraped up the the tar that ran out of it and put it in boxes Looks kind of like a cat turd, <laughs> but it's not cat turd. It's 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 the resin from the cedar, and then I filled that with I filled that with uh, cedar dust from the machines, so it would keep it one one it would keep it pure, and two it would dry it out to a better incense. Right. And I've just recently burned some. Believe me, the smell of cedar even burned my nostrils. And I thought I couldn't <laughs> smell cedar anymore. Cedar is a very pungent smell. I like it. But yeah, a little dab will do you, as they say. It well, I rolled just a little tiny piece, less than an inch in diameter. And then I rolled it flat. And then I burned the end. And it was like, whoa. whoa I kind of <laughs> threw it in the grass and stepped away from it. Right, you may not know the answer to this, but why do you think it's a cedar that would keep the wind to go away? What, what significance? Well, that's, that's another holy wood like ash. Okay. And... Why they're holy, that I couldn't know. That goes all the way back to, you know, that goes, 
Like my tribe has a history of about 13,000 years in Wisconsin. That goes way past the Babylonians, the Sumerians, the very first civilizations in Europe. And we had tribes then going back to names, you know, meaning we knew that their name was the Menominee, you know, and that meant that all tribes had those same kind of traditions for about the same amount of time with the Southern tribes being a little less time because it took them longer to get down there than it took the Menominee to get to where they were. And that's, this was supposed to be after the last great ice age, which was, that was between 15,000 and 25,000 years ago. That's when the land bridge, the Bering Strait was actually a bridge and people could walk over it instead of right. sections of ocean that they couldn't pass. I think we've honestly uh, concluded uh, a big portion on skinwalkers and, and wendigos. Yeah. I, th- I can see this, and we had hoped that uh, we're actually going to be able to get several episodes possibly out of this. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, I think, very interesting information. I hope everyone agrees it's out there listening. We are going to go ahead and end this one, and we will start up another. We hope that you guys are all enjoying it, and yet this is just another example of what you will find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you for inviting me. I was very honored to come here and talk. Hello, my name is Lauren Wycheezit, and I'm with the Dauntless Paranormal Investigations. We're a nonprofit organization that are looking for houses that are possibly haunted. We don't charge anything. We have full waivers to sign, so in case something you don't want, like your name or your address, to not be involved in the, a printed or shown investigation, we'll gladly sign them and keep your anonymity safe. And uh, thank you so much for giving a listen. Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central Missouri area, please check us out. We have two locations. First one is at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon. We've also branched out to a second location out at the Heartland Antique Mall, also here in Lebanon. You're going to find all kinds of vintage toys, Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mego, Universal Monsters, all types of gaming, board games, Magic the Gathering. So we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, swing by and check us out. Thank you so much. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. uh, um, He's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.